Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. I'm honored to welcome to our podcast today, Dan Clark. He is host and producer of New York Now. Thanks so much for joining me today, Dan. Thanks for having me, Alex. Dan, based on what we know now and the precautions that have been taken across the state for voting, do we anticipate a smoother process uh, on November 3rd and the subsequent days than in the primary elections? I think we're expecting a smoother process, but I don't think we're expecting a smooth process. There are a lot of moving parts with what's happening in this year's elections in New York City and across the state. I mean, you have to think of this is different than any other year, whereas in normal years, we we would see uh, less than 10% usually of people vote by absentee. This year, we're seeing uh, around 50% of people that are choosing to vote absentee just looking at the primary. So what we need for that is a, uh, a postal service that can deliver those ballots and give them back to the county boards of elections in time. And then once they actually do get back, assuming they do get back to the boards of elections, those boards of elections need people to look over each ballot individually and uh, count their votes. And along with that, it's not just counting their votes, it's comparing it against uh, poll books to make sure that nobody here is voting twice. So it's a really complicated process. And all of that assumes that everybody is filling out their absentee ballots the correct way. If you do one thing wrong with these absentee ballots, there's a chance that your ballot may just be thrown out and your vote won't be counted. And uh, you won't be notified of that. So it's just, there are just a lot of moving parts this year that we have not seen in any other year. Dan, what about the counting process? Uh, Governor Cuomo ultimately allowed for no excuse balloting across the state in response to the pandemic and has also established in New York City some drop boxes. But when will the counting process begin? So formally, the counting process begins election night with those votes that you get at the actual in-person poll sites. But as I said, a lot of people are voting absentee. So those absentee ballots are not counted before election day. They're not counted on election day. They're actually counted after election day. I believe it's seven days after election day, those absentee ballots start to get opened up and then the counting actually starts. So we should not expect any final results in any elections around New York State on the night of election night. Let me ask you, though, why has Governor Cuomo not faced criticism uh, and why have there not been adequate questions about changing the process so that the vote counting can begin sooner so that we have a more reliable outcome, not seven days after election day, but days, if not election night? That's a good question. And I know that there was talk of it. And I'm not an election attorney. I don't know all areas of election law. But I'm wondering if there might be a problem with counting federal races before Election Day when the state doesn't regulate federal races. But there may also be an opportunity to have those ballots counted that come in before Election Day and just have that under lock and seal so that nobody sees what the results are in those ballots. But it's something that's been discussed. What Democrats in the state legislature have done so far is over the past couple of years and in this year, they've really tried to expand access to voting. So we have enacted early voting for the first time in New York. Um, that is a huge step forward that we didn't have in the state. So, and, and there are problems with that as well. You know, we don't have enough early voting sites. Nobody knows how to early vote. 
And we also saw a few voting reforms passed this year that will hopefully make things a little bit easier in terms of delivery and uh, curing absentee ballots. Governor Cuomo could have taken the step of Florida, for instance, uh, which does count in the days leading up to Election Day and is expected to have many precincts reported, including the absentee and early vote, you know, by November 4th, if not 72 hours after Election Day. And, and it just occurs to me that if the president, President Trump, does attempt to falsely claim victory based on returns in reliably blue states that are showing him even or even ahead without counting the absentee and mail balloting, I think the question will be presented ultimately to Governor Cuomo. You could have altered the law so the counting could have begun sooner, and you didn't. I mean, I just am anticipating this, and I don't know if you are, but it it seems like a likely scenario. I think it does too. And I think that you'll see next year, especially looking back on the November elections, I think you'll see Democrats push for that kind of early counting mechanism. I think part of it is that they just did not come up with it in time this year. They didn't have... I mean, before the coronavirus, you really didn't need this in New York because the votes were all counted on election night. And Democrats, the last time they came back to Albany was in July. And that was kind of their last business of the year. I don't think that they had uh, anything really concrete that they could pass at the time. And as you said, Governor Cuomo could do it administratively because he has special powers right now. But I think part of his concern just from talking to people is the cost of all this. Everything costs money and the state and local governments are facing huge deficits right now. So to put this, I don't want to call it a burden, but to give this expense on them that now they have to hire people to count these votes beforehand, especially in areas like New York City, it could be a major struggle for them. I think the mechanism just wasn't in place and the state wasn't willing to create something in time. As you point out, Dan, he's still in a position to authorize that. And I don't know if you, your reporting suggests that there are any folks pressuring him to do so. I don't think so. And I think that if there was pressure to do so, I think that we would hear more about it from top Democrats in the state legislature. As you've seen over the past couple of years, Governor Cuomo really has two uh, tracks of mind. It's either he does it his way, he does the things that are at the top of his priorities list, or he receives enough pressure from the left mostly to enact things. And if he's not interested in enacting an early counting system and the Democrats who control both houses of the state legislature aren't necessarily speaking out too loudly about it, there's really no pressure on him from anyone with leverage to get it done. Why are progressives the strong progressive caucus uh, that has emerged since the Democrats took back uh, both chambers and um, leading progressives in the state, AOC, why are they not acknowledging this um, as an example of, you know, kind of Cuomo amnesia? First, it was with the virus. And, you know, all of us who were intimately connected to New York State and its response to the virus know that, while Donald Trump has received fairly blame for an inadequate response, the New York state response was also inadequate. In the wake of these failures 
to confront the virus. Why those progressives are not speaking out about vote counting, especially when electoral reform, for instance, same-day registration, which is not enacted in New York, uh, are part of the progressive agenda. Honestly, I think that in a lot of these districts where you see progressives right now, it's crunch time with the election. Some of them have already essentially been elected because they won their primary in June. But a lot of them are facing competitive races on Long Island, in the New York City suburbs, and in some areas upstate. And I think the case is right now that it's just not at the top of their list to speak out about because they are on the campaign trail and they're trying to convince voters to elect them to a majority, to maintain their majority in the state Senate. Obviously, in the state assembly, they already have a pretty firm majority. So the issue really isn't there. It's interesting, though, you bring up a good point that. Democrats really have not focused on voting reform in the past couple of months. And in fact, you'll notice that Democrats in the state legislature really have not focused on a lot of anything in the past couple of months. They ceded power to the governor in March because of the coronavirus, and they've come back a few times to wrap up certain issues. Of course, after the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, they came back to pass some police reform bills. A little bit earlier than that, they passed the state budget in early April. But aside from that, everything has been uh, pretty local bills, and they have not really put forth any big priorities. And one reason for that is they just got a lot of their big ticket issues done last year. So they haven't come back to tackle any more or complicated issues that they might be divided on, like voting reform and uh, like the legalization of marijuana, these things that maybe not everybody's on the same page, so they don't want to come back and force a deal if they don't absolutely have to. The, the stunning thing about what you're saying is that those local office holders who were seeking re-election, or even the safe progressives who won their primary or were unopposed and are virtually re-elected already, you know, if if in the case of those Long Island districts, the vote coming in the first 48, 72 hours suggests the Republican has won, and then the reporting days later, updated, seven plus days, suggests the Democrat won, I'm not convinced local Republicans will not uh, emulate the president in attempting to declare victory long before all the ballots are counted. So, how folks could be campaigning now, happy-go-lucky, and not concerned about the integrity of the, the vote and ensuring that every vote is counted and that there is no fraudulent claims of victory. You know, that's not a, a that's not something that's isolated to Republicans, though. You'll remember a few years ago that in the Queens DA race, Tiffany Caban uh, declared victory over Melinda Katz. And then it turned out that some votes were invalidated. And then Melinda Katz actually ended up winning that race. So but you're right this year, I think that if the president goes in an, in a direction where he says, I'm not confident in the results. I think that you'll see Republicans in all of these competitive districts for state Senate and in Congress, especially in New York. I think you'll see those Republicans go the exact same way. And I think what's going to come out of this is going to be a lot of litigation. It's going to be a lot of um, the losers filing lawsuits to see if all the votes were valid. And it's I don't think that we're going to see results like final firm declared results with somebody conceding for at least a few weeks. I would be surprised if we saw them before the end of November in some cases. And it will be interesting to see with respect to litigation, how much of it attempts to actually go 
after current existing state statute or law because of folks wanting to kind of disinform the public that the ballots that were counted up to a certain point ought to be the standing total and nothing after. Right. I think you're exactly right. And I think that a lot of it will depend on, um, I believe there was a state law passed this year that says that an absentee ballot has to be postmarked by election day. So I think that you'll see attorneys from the loser side really go in ballot by ballot because these races are going to be very close when you see a lawsuit. So they're going to want to go through by ballot by ballot to see, is this ballot valid? Was it sent in at the right time? Did it make it to the board of elections on time? And should it actually be counted? It's going to be really interesting. And I think it's going to set a really clear precedent for years in the future where Democrats may look at this election this year and say, well, why don't we open up absentee balloting even more? Because uh, as uh, your listeners probably know, absentee ballots in New York aren't available like this every year. They're only available to everyone this year because of the coronavirus. And Democrats have tried for many years to make it a lot easier to vote by absentee, just so people don't have that obstacle of having to go to the actual polls on election day if they don't have to. So if you see these cases in November and December, I think it's going to set up a really clear precedent for cases down the line, maybe not of the same law, but you'll see them referenced. To clarify, are you saying that the absentee or mail ballots in New York State are not counted until seven days after Election Day? Correct. So that's a world of time to transpire, and they're not even beginning the process to count until seven days. It's almost like the election was held a week later, uh, right? which is, again, astonishing to know the percent who voted by mail will be significant and that we will not know the results for at least a week uh, in many cases. Let me ask you, though, I really do anticipate this being a clusterfuck. And you know, maybe not on the scale of the Maloney race in every close contest. If there is a conflagration, you know, mayhem, and it resembles the kind of mayhem and health emergency that we suffered during the early phase of the pandemic, do you think it could come back to bite Cuomo uh, in his refusal to take those precautionary steps I don't think so personally, just because I know what he's going to say. If anybody criticizes him for not doing more, I think he's going to say that he did as much as possible in the in the event of he's going to say, well, I made sure that everybody could vote by absentee. So there's no reason why we should have seen an outbreak from the polls. But in the aftermath of the election, if there is some sort of civil unrest, just because we either don't see the results quickly or the results aren't what people want them to be, I don't necessarily know if that situation would be much different than if the coronavirus never existed. This was such a divisive election before the coronavirus. I think that we would have seen some sort of civil unrest anyway. But the added factor here, as you know, is that if we do see mass protests after the election because of the results or because we don't know the results or just because everybody's confused, we have this added factor of how many infections is this going to cause in the community? And as a result, how many more people are going to die because we have this mass uprising of people? 
that's, I think, going to be the question after Election Day. And with the trend in New York kind of trending up in um, early October, I don't know where we're going to go from here. Certainly, I, I would like to not see it, but I really, really, really hope that it doesn't turn into that kind of mess. Voters who take stock of what happened um, will understand the necessity for reform. You're suggesting that uh, Cuomo will be able to escape accountability for his failure to enact immediate changes that would give transparency and efficiency to our voting process this cycle. Um, But if the cascading series of dominoes fall in the way that you're suggesting, which is um, civil disobedience or civil unrest, uh, an unclear uh, outcome and deficiencies and inefficiencies in the counting process, and and ultimately leading to an increase in pandemic deaths and fatalities, then maybe in that scenario, a governor who's expected to seek a fourth term is is uh, under more scrutiny than he ordinarily would be. Right. But you have to remember, Alex, that this guy, Governor Cuomo, nothing sticks to him. He's been in office for nine years now, and we have seen scandal along scandal with Andrew Cuomo, whether it was the disbanding of what was called the Moreland Commission, which was supposed to investigate government corruption. And then just a few years later, we saw one of his top aides, Joe Percoco, get indicted on federal uh, corruption charges and then uh, subsequently convicted of those charges and sentenced. And still, he tackled the coronavirus in a positive way, most uh, people that are polled think, and his approval rate has been higher than ever this year. So this is a guy that maybe the results of the election may see an uptick in the coronavirus, but I don't necessarily know if undecided voters will blame that on Cuomo. I think that everybody is so partisan right now that if you're against Andrew Cuomo, you're going to blame everything on him. But if you support him, you're always going to make excuses for him, even if there is a clear mistake. Let's add one more dimension of those cascading realities, which is an economic crash. So the Hmm. turbulence and turmoil of our economy in the aftermath of the pandemic and its ongoing consequence hasn't really been felt by the vast majority of people. I mean, it's been felt in service industries, it's been felt among already highly vulnerable populations in the state. So the inequality has just been exacerbated. But if you're talking about, you know, the the vast preponderance of folks, the, the net effect of the pandemic has not been a crash. Andrew Cuomo's unwillingness to spend um, and to, um, put the state, you know, in, in, in the, in the red, so to speak, to help people, um, and, and preserve and improve their lives amidst an economic downturn that will also be tested. I think it's all going to be decided in November, uh, through the presidential election and through, uh, Congress, through the Senate, because he has some options right now to close the major budget deficit. Economists will always tell you that it's not the first year of a recession that is the worst. It's the second year. So 
if it comes down to the federal government will not give New York aid, which we're seeking about $50 billion right now, it's not a small amount. If we don't get that from the federal government, then the governor has some hard choices to make. He has to, he says, cut spending in the state's $180 billion budget, which is kind of bloated to begin with. He'll have to borrow and he'll have to raise taxes. And the tax raises would primarily be focused on the ultra wealthy if he's working with the legislature, of course. But if he completes all of those three things, you have to see where it's going to hit the hardest. If he makes those cuts in areas like schools and healthcare, those are votes, easy votes that he's going to lose from people that only see him as somebody who wants to cut and not raise revenue from somewhere. So his political future right now is really hinged on whether Republicans keep control of the White House and the U.S. Senate, because they are the ones who have really blocked state and local aid. But if Democrats take the Senate and or the White House, there's more leverage leverage there to provide that aid to state and local governments. At the same time, people will tell you that they want New York to fix this on their own. And Cuomo says, well, if we have to do that, it's going to impact everybody. And I do agree with you. I don't think the state has necessarily felt the real impact of the pandemic yet. Because if things get worse, or even if they just keep on the same track they are right now, a lot of businesses and restaurants say they really can't keep up for much longer. So if we see a major closure of all of these businesses next year, that's not going to be good for the pandemic. And that's not going to be or that's not going to be good for the state. And that's not going to be good for Andrew Cuomo in 2022. So go, Governor Cuomo's future depends on, on the 2020 federal outcomes, perhaps less than the local race and the efforts for the Democrats to take an even larger chunk in the majority in either chamber. Oh, for sure. Because the Democrats in the state Senate and the assembly can only work with what they're given. I mean, they could raise revenue for the state. They could raise taxes on the ultra wealthy. They could um, legalize marijuana for recreational use, but those aren't revenues that are going to be sent to New York immediately for marijuana, for example, Analysts will tell you that we're not going to realize the full revenue from marijuana for at least a couple of years. And even then, it's only a couple hundred million dollars. If we raise taxes on the ultra wealthy, that's several billion dollars. But of course, that depends on the rich staying in New York and not moving their primary residence to somewhere else. So it all hinges on a lot of factors that are not in any of their control. The safest bet for anyone would be to just get money from somewhere else. Final question, Dan, in your reporting, on the vote counting question and New Yorkers preferences for how they're going to vote. Do you think that New Yorkers are aware of the counting issue in deciding whether they are going to vote on election day or by absentee or early, which would, which would be counted uh, like election day? I don't think so. I don't think that people realize that an absentee ballot is counted differently in terms of timing to their election day vote. And I'm really interested actually to see on election night, if people don't know that, are they going to see the results and not really understand what's going on? I think it's going to be really interesting, but no, I I really don't think so. And part of that is because like as a voter, you don't really need to know that. You just need to know the deadlines of when to get the vote in and make sure that it's actually counted. Dan Clark, thank you so much for your insight. Of course, you can watch Dan weekly, host and producer of New York Now on your PBS station.